Well, praise God. Uh, get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to Isaiah chapter 53. Now, I hope you did your homework. You had homework. I got a couple of people told me you did their homework. You're supposed to read Isaiah 53 this week all the time. I, uh, I started this message last week called When Christians Go Feral. And uh, in case you don't know what the word feral means, a feral animal is an animal that has escaped from domestication to become wild, okay? And sometimes we as Christians, we start to forget about what it's really all about. And we kind of go off on our own, whether it's our pride or our ego or our whatever takes us off, and we get off on our own, and we become feral. Look at the person beside you and say, are you feral? Now, any of us can go feral at any time, okay? You can just be going along. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe everything's just looking bad. You forget that the God of heaven that created the heavens and the earth and all they're in, you're in covenant with, right? Or you get to listen to the devil and he just starts yakking at you and he starts telling you all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you begin to believe it. And then all of a sudden you just begin to confess it out of your mouth and you just begin to go off back into the old way you used to be before Jesus touched your life, right? And so what's happening is you're just going feral. Some of y'all don't like that, but it's the truth. We're just going feral. We're going off to the side. We're getting away from the things of God and what we know that the truth of God is. And so I preached about that last week and uh, talked about how, you know, what happens to a person when he goes feral and what's going to take place. And, you know, and uh, all these things, how our minds get blinded and, and all, but now I want you to go to Isaiah 53 1, and I want to start here. I, I touched on some of this last week, but um, I got to tell you, I, I'm like the Apostle Paul this morning that 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 says that he, he said it's, a, it's the unexplainable gift of Jesus. It's, it's, it, and that word means it's a word to try to describe what Jesus has done for us, which is what Isaiah 53 is, to try to describe that, to try to preach that. For me, there's no, there's no words I, I can come up with. There's no oration. There's no, you know, uh, fancy speech that I can have to, to, to tell you really what has to be communicated today. You've got to get it by the Spirit of God. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to touch each and every one of your hearts and your minds today to open them up to see really what Jesus has done. And when that, it's not a mind thing. It's not just like knowledge you're gaining today. You've got to get it down here in your heart. And if you do, and this is what I was talking about last week, you start living by what's called a prophetic revelation, not just a revelation like, Oh, I didn't know I shouldn't put my finger in the light socket. Right? You learn that as a kid. Not just that. Not just the knowledge. Don't do that. It'll hurt you. Okay? But a knowledge that's down inside your heart that propels your life. That this is what Jesus has done. There's too many Christians living on the, on the face of the earth right now who are just walking and they're Christian by by name or by church or by denomination or by, you know, choice, but they're not, they're not living by prophetic revelation. Folks, we're in a time right now in the world where there are bad things going on. There, are, there, are, there is evil and wickedness going on and you've got to live by a prophetic revelation, a revelation that you send up and say, no, I, I don't care what that says. I know what the truth is. 
And the only way you can get that is you have to allow the Holy Spirit to birth it on the inside of you. You have to be sitting here this morning. And that's why I wanted you all to read Isaiah 53 last week and look over because I want your hearts to be prepared that when I preach, because I don't, man, I'm a country boy. I don't have the, 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 you know, I, I, I've watched other preachers and I'm like, dude, that guy can, that guy's got some words. That guy's got some verbiage. That guy put it together, man. I mean, he's got him a, he's got him a great outline. He's a, he's not stuttering. He's not stammering. He's not looking for a word. He's not having to get his congregation to help him out preaching. And I, I said, Lord, I don't have that. And I'm trying to, to preach to you something today that is literally the apostle Paul said, there's no words for it. So, I mean, like right off the bat, I feel like I'm already shot in the foot before I get started. So I need y'all by the Holy Ghost to suck in and draw by faith on this this morning. Be sitting in your seats to be listening on the broadcast and be listening and saying, Lord, I want a prophetic revelation. I want to understand what Jesus did for me. And if you put yourself in that position, because what does the Bible say? Ask. Right. You'll get it. Seek it. You'll find it. Knock and it'll be open. So that's what you have to be doing. So Isaiah 53, one starts out and it says, who has believed our report? We see there's so many people that really don't believe the report of the Lord. They really don't believe the good news of what Jesus did for them. That's why they go feral. Because they don't really believe it. God's going to take care of you. Yeah, he will. But I need to do this. Well, wait a minute. You know, you're you're, you're living on your split. And the Bible says in James one five, it says, if you man, if you are, are. Tor betwixt too. If you're like the waves of the sea, you're just going and whopping out there. You're going to be one moment you're believing, one moment you're not. He said, you're not going to ever going to receive anything from the Lord. And so there's too many Christians out there in life that that's what they're doing. They're just they're just going by the toss of the waves of the sea. One moment they're high. They love Jesus. But when things go bad, then they're down here and they're just like, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. This isn't any good. And then they turn on each other and they go feral. Okay, and so Isaiah 53 verse one starts out. Here's Isaiah, this this old, cool prophet prophesying. He just gets it. I don't know how it happened. Okay, just give me this. He just gets up one morning, drank his cup of coffee and said, whoa, spirit of the Lord's upon me. Write this down. I don't know how it happened. I'm just going off that. Okay, and he says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, what report? He didn't know about Jesus at that time. Wasn't like he was reading his Bible like we are today where you got, you know, one Bible's got 27 translations in it or something. You know, he just he was he was writing the Bible prophetically by the spirit of God. So he said, who's going to believe our report when Jesus started out? Very first message he preaches in Luke 4, 18. And he says. I've come to give you I'm paraphrasing. He said, I come to give you a good report. Same thing. He said the gospel, the good news. That's what it is. The good news. Folks, listen to me. I don't know about y'all, but they ain't, the world's not giving us any good news. All right. No, the world's not giving us any good news. The world's not giving us any good hope or anything like this. All right. But the whole Bible is set out to be something that should excite you, something that should energize you, something that should propel you in life, something that should be such a good news that you're like, ha, ha, I won the lotto. I mean, like, just imagine that last the last lotto, I don't know, it was 1.2 billion or something crazy like that. If you had the winning ticket, how are you going to how are you going to react? 
You, I mean, are you going to get up that morning and say, oh, your wife says, what were your numbers? She said, oh, these are the numbers. And so, oh, that you won the, the lotto. Oh, OK, well, well, I'll go after lunch and we'll see how, you know, talk to somebody. I don't know. I've got things I got to do this morning. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. You'd be freaking out. You'd be jumping up and down. You'd be jumping up and down on your tables. You'd be go, going crazy. You'd be panicked. You'd be, oh, 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 I won. But yet we won the lotto in Jesus. But yet we wake up and listen to the devil and say, oh, yeah, I know I won the lotto. I know what it, someday I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. But I got to deal with this today. And it overwhelms us. Myself included. I'm not listening to me, folks. I got this message. I didn't get it to preach to y'all. I got it. Because I had some feral tendencies. You said, Pastor? Man, folks, anybody can. If you don't think you got feral tendencies, you're, you do have feral tendencies. You're a liar. And then you're deceiving yourself. Okay? And so he says, who has believed our report? Are we believing the gospel? Are we believing the good news of what Jesus did for us? Are we really Christians? Are we really believing that God has got us? And he is here with us and that he is behind us and before us. Are we really believing it? Are we believing what we see in the world? We believe in what what's going on. We believe in what CNN says or Fox, anybody. I don't meet no news people. I'm just saying, oh, what do we believe in? And I'm saying we're in a time, church, we're in a place in life that we have to believe the gospel, the good news. And that's what he goes on to say. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, this is like a, you know, like a, 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 a term they use throughout the Bible, always meaning that God's got you. God's God did a miracle for you. God did something. The arm of the Lord was revealed to you. OK. And this is what I want to show you. OK. This is what I want to show you. Let me get to it here. We spend so much time saying. That we was we just man, if I could just I just want to see miracles. I just want to see a miracle. I just want to see a miracle. But then wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because you're looking for a sign and a wonder. And I like signs and wonders. They're exciting. But listen to me. Have you forgot about the greatest sign ever given to us? His name was Jesus. This is what Isaiah 53 is going to show us. So I want to take it up now in verse 2. He's, he's prophesying this. He doesn't know what he's He's, you know, he hasn't seen it, and now he's saying it. He's prophesying it before he's seen it. He said, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Okay, stop there for a second. 
You know, so many times that I've heard Christians say this before. He's like, oh, if I could have just heard Jesus preach, if I could have been there at the uh, on the mount when the Beatitudes were, were, were preached and heard Jesus preach, you know, that would just be so exciting and all. Yeah, but there was another period when he's walking down the streets of the Villa Della Rosa carrying the cross and he's been beaten out of recognition where his 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 they, the Bible literally says his bones are showing. And this man that you that everybody, everybody, the apostles and everybody thought was going to be the savior. They thought he was going to ride in on a white horse and they thought he was going to go in there to the temple and they thought he was going to run all those old nasty mean Romans out of there. And take charge and be the raw conqueror, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he couldn't be the lion of the tribe of Judah until he was the lamb of the tribe of Judah. He had to be the lamb first and then he could be the lion. Believe me, folks, listen to me. The day that Jesus comes back, he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you're not going to want to be on the other side. But he had to be the lamb. And they didn't understand that. And so many times in our own Christian walk, we're going through looking at what God's doing and we don't understand. And we're trying to think, well, God, why aren't you being the lion? Well, sometimes he's got to be the lamb. And so Isaiah's prophesying here says literally Jesus, who was going to be the lion, but now he's the lamb. When he walked by, people like hid their faces. They were like, oh, I can't even look at that. I can't even look at that. His, his own disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to take Jesus, his own disciples all fled, ran. See, I want to tell you, <laughs> sometimes I'm kind of like glad I'm reading it from now and I just read it. Because what would I, I'm, th I'm questioning myself, what would I have done? Everybody breaks and run, you're like, deer in the headlights, what am I going to do? Which way am I going to do? What am I going to say with Jesus? They got God, they're going to take me out. I mean, folks, you got to understand something. Crucifixion is, is horrible. It was a horrible way to die. People did not die from crucifixion. They died from hanging on the cross continually, having their feet pegged and, and their hands stretched out and, you, and their knees were bent just enough so that they had to literally push up on the pegs that were in their knees through all that pain to catch a breath of air because crucifixion was about suffocation. You suffocated. Because before long, your whole weight of your body was pulling down on your chest and on your arms. And, and it was a horrible way to die. And they say there's like if a person wasn't beaten like Jesus was beyond recognition, that it sometimes would take people two weeks to die on a cross. Two weeks of pushing up with the pain of spikes through his, your feet, your legs, and pushing up on those bones and that metal rubbing on everything and just the pain of it all and doing that, that a strong person might live for two weeks. And they came by and literally gave them water and food when they were on the cross. I'm like, why are you doing that, man? I don't want to keep living, right? But the family was so grieved by the whole thing, they were giving them food and giving them water. But the Romans were great at, at, at crucifixions. They had it down to a science, man. They knew exactly what to do, how to do it. Man, they crucified people. They liked to crucify people because it threw fear in the hearts of man. Whoever they were conquering, whatever society they were conquering, it was, it was a great fear tactic to go line the roads with crosses. And they said sometimes that they would go in and they would be 20 miles of people crucified on each side of the road that you had to walk through to get to the town of just people hanging on the cross suffering 
So you've seen this. You grew up in this. You knew the stories of all of this. And then they come to get Jesus and they knew what they'd do is crucify him. Would you run or not? I, you know, uh, you can answer that at home in your own tears. But I'm just telling you, it was a tough thing. It was a tough decision. And so he says here, now, come on, Isaiah's prophesying. Let me get back into this. Isaiah's prophesying. He says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Do you notice something there, church? It says he bore our grief. He carried our sorrow. He was wounded for our transgression. You see, when, when Isaiah said, they, they esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. What they were doing where they were looking up and saying, man, God did this to him. In other words, he was deserving of it. You know, it's like Paul on the aisle on the, when they when they the boat crashed and they were on the island of Malta and 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 that and he went to pick up the, the sticks. Remember that? And the, the snake comes out and bites him. And everybody says, oh, well, he must be a sinner, you know, a criminal. And that's God's judgment. The snake come out and bit him. And then he shook it off in the fire and he, they all watched, waited for him to swell up and die. And he didn't. And they said, oh, he must be a God. I mean, that's a quick change of opinion, right? Well, what they're looking at is things were going bad for Paul because a snake bit him. Things were going bad for Jesus. So it all must be God. No one realizing that. No, wait a minute. He wasn't doing it because there was anything on him. He was doing it because he was the sinless lamb of God going to the cross for our sins. Yes. It was you and I that deserved to be up there. Yes. It was you and I whose sins put Jesus up there. Right. <laughs> he says he borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastised. For our peace, took stripes for our healing. He did it all for us. Amen. Everything Jesus did, he did for you and for me. He didn't do it because he had to. He had to make this. Uh, sacrifice because he was a sinner. He did it for you and for me. We hear it. How many times have you heard that in life? If you heard he did it for you and me. If you're if you're a Christian for for any length of time and you've listened to anybody, you, you, you've heard that. Oh, Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. But how many times have we heard it and it just passed through our head? And it never sunk in. It never was a revelation that Jesus did it. For us, it was your sins that put Jesus on the cross. We don't like to look at it like that. Jesus was the only righteous man ever upon face of the face of the earth who did not deserve anything for his sins because he was sinless. Now, what report are we believing? The report that Jesus 
has paid the price for us. What report are we going to be? What is the good news? You could not get out of your sin. You couldn't do it. The law had you bound. You were going to be hung somewhere. You were not going to be guiltless. Somewhere you had sinned, you had messed up. That's why there's, you know, over 3,000 ordinances to the, to, the, to the Mosaic law that you're going to be hung in one of them. God was trying to reveal to us that there's no way we could ever do anything, any performance, any works, any, any uh, you know, sacrifices that would ever make us clean in his eyes. We couldn't do it. But there was one that could, and his name was Jesus. The strong arm of the Lord that gets revealed to you is when you come to the revelation of this and you're like, oh, my Jesus, look what you did for me. Then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You did this for me. Then why am I trying to earn your favor? Why am I trying to? to by works be righteous before you I don't stand a chance I didn't stand a chance you had to go to the cross for me but you did go for me <laughs> Woo! you did go for me so therefore if I'm in Christ under his blood I'm righteous I can just like hear the I can hear a rumbling in hell right now just saying, oh, shut up. Don't say anymore. Because if you have this revelation in you, you're like, wait a minute. <clears throat> I, I'm righteous by the blood of Jesus. I'm not righteous by my works. So <laughs> why are you talking to me? That's what you're saying to the devil. Why are you talking to me? Why are you even even dealing with me. Why are you even saying this about me? Why are you even talking, uh, you know, trash about me? And then all of a sudden an authority rises up on the inside of you and a boldness rises up on the inside of you. You begin to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why don't you just shut up? I, I don't have to listen to you. What you're saying is a lie. It's not the truth. What you're saying is, is trying to get me off of the truth. The truth is Jesus went to the cross. We got something to celebrate Christmas about. Yeah, Jesus was the Lamb of God born so that he could go to the cross for you and I so our sins could be forgiven so we could be right with God. This is the prophetic revelation of the report you've got to believe. So that when you believe it, then the strong arm of the Lord begins to be with you and behind you and be propelling you. Now, folks, listen to me. There's not any of us here that at, that at some point the devil won't throw a, a, a word or a whisper towards you. None of you are immune from it. None of you. If you say, no, no, I never hear the voice of the devil. You're a liar. Okay? He comes and he tries to talk to you and tries to get you off. And what I'm trying to tell you today is you've got to get hold of this in such a way that you're standing in the face of the adversities of life and the tornado and the winds are blowing and you're just standing there saying, Lord, I just thank you that you got me. Okay, so I want to take you. I don't want to go on. I don't want to go on down the rest of all this because it, it, it's, just, it's just too much. But you understand what I'm saying when he said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
It, it literally in the King James it says the unspeakable gift. It means a gift that like you hear what I'm saying to you. And that's like, how could I say it in words that could really mean what it. What Jesus did for us. Right. You're looking at it. And you say, oh, yeah, he died. and went to the cross. What? This man gave up his life. He, he, he died on a cross for you and for me. He was the son of God. He could have any minute just called 12 legions of angels down and just smoked the whole world and said, Father, I'm sick of these people. They're driving me crazy. Bunch of Nancy boys all run off and left me here. Lord, just smoked the whole world. And Father would have said, sounds good to me. But he didn't. He went to the cross for you and I. He fulfilled Isaiah 53 here. He fulfilled this and he was, did it all for us. So then we're going to let the devil come talk us out of it. We're going to let the devil come out there and, and keep us in guilt and shame and, and, and not walking in repentance and not walking in, 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 in victory, not walking in healing, not walking in these things because we're going to let the devil talk us out of it. When this, this has happened, that the strong arm of the Lord has been revealed to us, the strong arm of the Lord has come into our life. Well, I say, I say, I say, church, that if you are believing that, well, then you forgot the first part. You, you haven't believed the report. You just not believe the report. It's not a prophetic revelation to you. It's not a prophetic revelation to you. It's head knowledge. And head knowledge doesn't do you any good in a battle. That's like going out there and getting your rifle and you say, okay, now this is the way the gun, I read the manual, is supposed to operate. Now, I've re never really shot one before, but I've read all about it. Hello? And you're getting ready to go into battle? Yes, this is what they call a, a, a cartridge. You can know it all. Oh, here's the firing pin. Here's, here's the primer. And, and it's got an X number of grains of powder in it. And it has this specific bullet. And the ballistic coefficients of this bullet is this. And they say that this bullet, if you zero it in at 100 yards, it's going to be this. And but at 200, it's going to be that. At 300, it's going to be that. You can know all the ballistic coefficients of everything. You say, oh, this is a better bullet. This bullet is better. But if you've never fired a gun, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, we've got a lot of Christians out there that have head knowledge and they've gone to college and they've gone to Bible schools and they've learned all this stuff and they've got all this head knowledge, but they've never fired the rifle. And it's a completely different situation when you're out there, you know, in the woods trying to hunt or whatever you're doing and, 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 and you've got to go actually do it. You've actually got to get the guns on site and the middle of everything going on. And, you know, it's a lot of difference. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. That's a big difference. I'd take a good old country boy that's been shooting a 22 since he was a little boy. I'd take him over anybody that could tell me what the ballistic coefficient of the bullet was. He don't know. He just know you pointed that direction. He's going to shoot and he's going to hit what he's looking at. Hello? What about as a Christian? Do you know what you're talking about? Do you know? Is it down in your heart? Is it a prophetic revelation that whenever you see things, it's like, that's the devil trying to get me off. And you're just like, no, go away, devil. You can't talk. Man, I'm covered. I've got the robes of righteousness on me. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I am a child of God. Matter of fact, I'm a priest of God. I'm, in, I'm called out in this world to call to do things. Yeah. All right. Or are you gonna, just going to say, you know, well, I don't know. We're going to make it or not. Come, I'd like to make it. But you're just down there kicking at the dirt, walking around. So let me show you. Let me show you what. There's two things. Don't you? Everybody say 53. 61. I actually wrote down my notes wrong. Said it right. I'm changing it real quick. 
There, won't make that mistake. Say it again, 53? 61. One more time, say 53? 61. Tomorrow, as you go about your day, you're going to be saying 53, 61. 53, 61. Enemy comes against you, you're going to say 53, 61, because 60, chapter 61 of Isaiah is what you get because you're walking in 53. So here we go. Go to Isaiah 61. One. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the what? Good tidings or the report. All right. To preach the good tidings of the, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do you realize this is like he's he's saying it again in the same prophetic uh, flow, rhythm. In other words, he, he told you he bore our da, 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 da. It's like the same song singing. He's got the same rhythm playing here. Right. He's going to give you the oil of joy for morning. How many of y'all like to rather have the oil of joy than morning? Uh, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So in other words, you're just waking up in the morning, you're just singing songs and you're just praising God and you're just walking and man, and then you, versus a spirit of heaviness, you're just waking up every morning thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is terrible. I don't know if we're going to get through today or not. I don't know about y'all, but I want the garment of praise. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he may be glorified and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Isaiah 61 is the result for walking in the prophetic revelation of Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 53 is declaring that you're righteous and Isaiah 61 then is declaring your victory. So 53:61. The next time the devil comes up to you and starts harassing you, you say 53:61, shut up. 53:61, I'm walking in victory. Cuz 53 says this is what Jesus did for you. Now 61:1 is the first message Jesus ever preached. All right. So Jesus stood up and said, I'm the fulfillment of, of 61. The spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good tidings. I'm anointed. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm anointed to declare the report that Isaiah said. And what was he going to say? Oh, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Then why are you brokenhearted? Well, you don't understand. Sometimes the 
the pressure of the psychological situations and the things that have been going on in my life and this and that and the other. You know, I mean, I have a broken heart, but yes, I have a broken heart, but, you know, uh, I'll get over it someday. Why? Why wait? Why not take it to the foot of the cross where Jesus paid the price for you and be healed? Well, but that's a that's something, you know, this is hard to understand. And uh, yeah, you don't have a prophetic revelation. You don't have a revelation of 53. You don't have a revelation of Isaiah 53. So therefore you remain brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives, so you remain bound. Bound by drugs, bound by alcohol, bound by porn, bound by whatever. Bound by anger, bound by lust. Bound by greed. Bound by whatever. Why? Why do we, why do we want to be bound for? You got to get a revelation of 53. Do you understand how important what I'm saying to you is? If you have a prophetic revelation of Isaiah 53, then Isaiah 61 becomes yours. And when it becomes yours, folks, then all of a sudden you're walking in joy. You're walking in peace. You don't have the spirit of heaviness on you. You have the spirit of joy, the spirit of praise. You're walking along in the oil of joy. You know, there's a we used to have it up here. You know, I don't even know where it came from. It was a bottle of oil that was came from Israel, and it was the it said the oil of joy. You know, had some fragrance to it. And I used to laugh. I said, "Man, I wish it was real." I mean, just walk up to somebody, and then, <laughs> you know, like going to the dentist and getting laughing gas or something. You know, it just touch you with the oil, and then there you were. You were just all happy, happy, just go go. But see, you'd have to come back next week for another dose or the next hour, depending on how quick it wore off. But I never did lay hands on anybody and and, and, and then, you know, just saw like the oil did something. Matter of fact, it went rancid and I threw it away. But you follow what I'm saying here, church. But literally, that's the way it should be. Under a prophetic revelation of understanding Isaiah 53, we literally should be able to go to the cross you know, spiritually speaking, have a place that we can go and repent and talk to the Lord and go sit down, kneel down, stand up. I don't care what you do, but the revelation would propel you and you could go and you could have that time with Jesus. and You could say, Lord, I just thank you. He died. Mm. That's real. This is what I'm talking to you is real. I'm not preaching something that's hypothetical or theoretical. It is absolutely 100 percent real. It is the way we should be living our lives in this communion, communion, which we're going to take here in just a minute, communion with God, a communion that's so deep that when we sit and close our eyes and pray or have our eyes open, whatever it's whatever, you know, floats your boat. But to sit there and have fellowship with the almighty God is this 61 is what should happen to us. It should heal the brokenhearted. There should be liberties to the captives. It would open up the prison doors to those that are bound. And then proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you understand what that is? That's the year of Jubilee. The acceptable year of the Lord took place over 49 years. And on the 50th year, everybody that had gotten indebted, everybody that had gotten all bound, that, that everything that they had lost, everything that they had to sell their property, all got restored to them. And they got restored back to the place that they were 49 years before. So no one would be in debt and everybody would be free. Restoration. So, yeah, 
Life may have treated you wrong and you may have lost money or you may have you lost your business. Or, but wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. He, 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 says, he says it's now. He says to preach that it's the, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Today's the day of Jubilee, the day that you got saved, the day that Jesus came into your life became your Jubilee year, the year that you have restoration to you, that everything was restored back unto you. It may not have all been delivered at your door at that exact moment, but the process to obtain it was. Mm, that's good. The process to obtain it was at a moment when you had the first revelation that Jesus was the son of God. Do you see why churches get off? Because men begin to come in and they begin to, to, to just think up things rather than living by prophetic revelation. If you notice this, after, after, after your, your, the, the acceptable years, but then he, it says something here. And what's funny about it, Luke didn't include it in Luke 4.18. He stopped at and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Or actually, if he recorded it, Jesus stopped there. He recorded it correctly. He didn't quote the, because there's a one more part to verse that verse there. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, there's a comma there. And the day of vengeance of our God. Folks, I, I am noticing in life that there is no fear of God in people anymore. There are people doing things to other people and they have no thought of the fear of God. The war going on in the Ukraine right now. Went in there, knocked out all their power, all their, you know, their, their, their water, their, all their utilities, and there's people over there going into a hard winter. Because, folks, let me tell you, it's cold there. We don't know what cold is. It's cold there, going into a winter, and they're going to make all the humanity suffer. For what? For what? Evil in the world today. Evil going on in the world today, and there is no fear of God. But I want to tell you something. You hear me and you hear me well. If I'm ever right on anything I ever preach, God's, Jesus is coming back. And when the wrath of God's poured out on the face of the earth, folks, let me tell you what. It says that the wine press of God's going to be so deep. It's going to be above the horse's, the, the horse's bridle of blood coming out of the, the, the wine press of the wrath of the God. You don't want to be on God's bad side. They say, well, I just don't believe there is a God. Well, man, you're going to find out. And you're going to find out in a wrong way. It's going to be too late. You better start thinking about the fear of God. Okay, so he tells us all of this. And then he tells us he wants to give us beauty for ashes. But then if you notice on down here, um, he says, and they shall rebuild the old ruined places. In other words, the revelation of 53 so comes upon your life that there begins this restoration process that you are restoring. You're re it's not just you just got healed and you just got set free, but you're literally coming out of you then is this rebuilding of the old places. You're, you're literally producing life out of you. That's the goal for the Christian. When you say 53, 61, 61 is taking you, yeah, I'm healed. I'm, 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 I got so much. I'm blessing everybody. I'm blessed. I'm restoring the old places. I'm restoring old relationships, old fellowships, old whatever. I'm restoring and rebuilding. And this is what's happening to me because of what took place in that revelation of 53. Are you hearing me, church? 
It's something that if you do not, if you're sitting here listening to me saying, well, that's a great message. I like that. You know, I don't really want to go feral and whatever, but that's the end of it. You're not doing anything else with it. Well, listen to me. You're being foolish. These are days to read Isaiah 53 a thousand times if you have to, to get the prophetic revelation. To ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to learn and expand and go on. Because folks, listen to me. When you get that revelation, everything else that's going on in life seems pretty simple. Pretty small, pretty insignificant because you're sitting there saying, wow, look at this. And life begins to come out of you. And then everywhere you're going, it's like a garden because you're just taking because he's given you beauty for where you used to have ashes. And so now that ash heap is turning into a garden. And your whole life all around you, people want to be around you because coming out of you is the life of God. He says we're to be priests. What do priests do? They minister. They bring life. 5361. 5361. So much about all the services that I just blew off when we were taking communion. Eat my piece of bread and drink my little juice. Go sit down and say, come on now, it's going to get over with in just a second. Even down to counting the people in church and knowing how long it would take to get them served. And out of there, I knew I would, I calculated these things. But church today, we're going to have communion and I pray that as you come forward and you come here, that this revelation of Isaiah 53 that Jesus did it for you. It was your sins, your iniquities that he took upon the cross. That that revelation will be so strong in your life that when you come and take communion this morning here, man, you're going to catch a prophetic revelation. And it's got to be, like I said, by the Holy Ghost because I can't make it happen. I got no other words that I can say and I could keep saying the same words over and over again. But I know it's got to be by the Spirit. Amen? So you prepare your hearts. Can I have my, my team come down that's helping me this morning, prayer team and, and um, everyone? Those of you at home, as we're taking communion here, if you've got your communion elements there at home, well, then just get them out. Get them ready to, to take this morning. Now, as you come forward, receive communion. These Prayer team people are not up here just because they didn't have anything better to do. They're up here to pray for you and believe God for miracles. And so if you're up here today and you need prayer, don't get in a hurry. Listen, we're having dinner on the ground today. So you don't have to try to fight the Methodists or the Baptists to get over there and get a chair at the cafe. We're going to be over here in the fellowship hall. So there's plenty of time. Um, we're not going to let anybody go running in there and eat it all up before you get there. You need prayer. We're here. And so get these people to get in agreement with you and pray with you, okay? And uh, take your time and let the anointing of God touch you today.
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, now take and eat for this is my body, which was broken for you. This is Isaiah 53 right here. The body of Christ broken for you. So Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Then afterwards he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So Lord, we thank you that this is Isaiah 53 right here. Our covenant with you as we confess you as Lord and Savior of our life. The Lord, our sins are forgiven and we're washed in your blood. So take and drink. 